right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, you can't see me right now, but there are white doves just flying in the background of me and everything's in slow motion. That's right, we are talking about John Woo and his new film, Silent Night, his first American film in 20 years, I believe. Excited to get into this one. And joining me for it is Brian Scuttle, returning to the podcast from Sonic Cinema. We got a lot of great puzzle pieces to get into, but before we get into the conversation, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod, and don't forget to join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. So, you know, aside from that, uh, it is the end of the year, and there's a lot of stuff on the way, a lot of episodes, but you can find any of the episodes I've already recorded over on our Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, from Awesome Movie Year, which is another movie podcast I produce, and from my music career, which I am releasing a whole lot of new music in 2024. Uh, you can find some of it right now on the Patreon. But check it out, patreon.com slash Rosen. I appreciate you all just being out there listening. But if you want to support the show in that way and get access to all this great stuff in advance, check it out. So with that said, let's get into our conversation about Silent Night. All right, we've got Brian Scuttle with us to talk about Silent Night. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, David. Absolutely. I am uh, looking forward to this one. This should be, I don't know, th this movie is going to be an interesting one to get into. I think, you know, obviously we've got the return of John Woo to an American film for, you know, after so many years. But also we have, like, such a very specific kind of action movie that this thing is. It should be yeah. really interesting to get into this. We should start off, like, before we get to puzzle pieces, tell me, are you a huge John Woo fan? I, John Woo has been, honestly, John Woo has been my, one of my favorite filmmakers for 20 plus years. Nice. Um, I, my first film of his that I saw was uh, Broken Arrow. Mm -hmm. And that basically, I, I enjoyed that one so much, I basically started to watch his films you know, I watched Hard Target after that, and then I started again to his Hong Kong work. And then by the time Face Off came out, I was just absolutely sold on his work. And he's he's somebody who, whenever I go back to revisit something, whether it's The Killer, whether it's Hard Boiled, whether it's Face Off, or even something like Wind Talkers, uh, it's always a pleasure to go back and watch him uh, watch his work. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I got to admit, I haven't seen any of his movies in years, but I used to love them so much. Like back when I was in high school, I used to watch mm -hmm. all of his movies, not just the American ones, but yeah, going, you know, going back to Hard Boiled and The Killer and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I really wanted in the lead up to Silent Night to like make some time. But as we were talking before we hit record here, the end of the year is just an insane time for <laughs> movies when you're covering them on podcasts yeah. or a critic or whatnot. But um, so, yeah, I did not have time. But I, I look forward to a like a John Woo marathon in my near future because some of these movies, they just they hold up so well. and They're so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I do want to take this moment to say that I, I want, really do want to see whatever legalese needs to happen 
to get his Hong Kong work on 4K on Blu-ray. I oh, yeah. really want it to happen because of the fact that is is criminal that those films are out of circulation when it comes to physical media. I mean, I yeah. still have I sold DVDs of a good number of them. Uh, I was relieved when his last hurrah of chivalry came out from Criterion earlier this year because I'm like, ooh, does this mean we're going to start to see some like the killer and hard boiled get re released this year and what was going on? But yeah, I know he said in an interview recently that because he doesn't own the rights to those films, it's just kind of a legal quagmire to get them yeah. out on physical media and it's really a shame that is a shame and yeah i i don't know but I, it's got to happen at some point there's got to be so many different parties involved who want to see it happen mm -hmm. uh enough uh, enough of a clamor i think it'll it'll we'll finally see it but uh it, yeah it's got to happen yeah but yeah let, let's get into silent night uh th this is a movie that you know at the time of recording uh you know it's just come out and not exactly blowing up the box office but uh that, to to put it lightly but yeah. um you know i i think it, i was a little mixed on it myself i think that the silent protagonist thing which is kind of the main crux of the story here is done really well. I think Joel Kinnaman is great, and I think he carries it. I also think Kid Cudi, who is kind of a, a second silent protagonist, even though we maybe didn't realize that going in, is also really good. I, I think that there's a lot of fun to be had here. I I definitely agree with you, and I, you know, it's like, I, I definitely understand, you know, I mean, look, this, this came out the first, the weekend after Thanksgiving, which is traditionally a, uh, not a busy one at the box mm -hmm. office. Um, I mean, as somebody who's worked in the theater industry for 20 plus years, I can say it's typically not a busy one, usually because that's when people are shopping. And also because if you're a college football fan, that's when the big championship games are. But it's really a shame that this one is getting uh, forgotten as much as it is. Because this should be an event. It should be like it's like you said, it's John Woo's first film for an American studio in 20 plus years. Yeah. It's from the producers of John Wick. That should be something to get people excited about. Yeah. Um but the thing is, it's like I do understand why people may not register with it because of the fact that it is it's a lot darker of a movie than we're usually associated with Wu. I mean, sure. even if you go back to The Killer and Hard Boiled, those films, as as violent as they get, as bloody as they get, they also work well within the uh, tone of like action movies, American action movies of the time. Mm, this yeah. one is very very dark and i think that is i do think that's intentional on Wu's part because i i do feel like this is a movie of him he he's almost reckoning with his own legacy i think in a long way to a certain extent in this movie especially when it comes to the excessive violence and the way that was so 
influential to American filmmakers and just in general. I mean, I remember there was an interview with him in the lead up to Silent Night coming out where he said something along the lines of, you know, he 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 remembered this one act of violence that occurred and one of the and the one of the perpetrators said that they were inspired by John Woo movies. And mm-hmm. that that left that left an impression on him. And the thing that and I think one of the things that you see in the earlier work of Wu's is he is somebody who really doesn't he 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 uses flair when it comes to shooting action films, but you get the impression that there is a moral weight to violence. I mean, you sure. look at moments in Hard Boil, you look at moments in Face Off, and that's definitely the case. And so I I think Silent Night in you know it's funny, there were so many reviewers who came out like, oh, it's not the same thing as Boo's earlier work and stuff like that. It's like, well, no, it's not. And I actually that's part of the reason I like it, because of the fact mm-hmm. now I don't love it partially because of that, but I like it because of the fact that I feel like it's him doing something much different and way deeper than what he's done in the past when it comes to action. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. I mean, you can't expect somebody to keep making the same thing over and over again. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, some an artist like that grows and does something a little bit different. And so we're either along for the ride or we're not. But uh, with that said, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first one? Uh, I mean, there, you know, there, there are some really, uh, there, I'll admit it's like, there were, there were times where this was tough to come up with puzzle pieces for, because it's like, there are some obvious ones that you can make. I mean, you can make John Woo movies, you can do this and that. I mean, I, I, I guess the, the first one I want to go with though, is actually a John Woo movie, but it does tie in with why I think he's doing in Silent Night, and that is Face Off. Uh, mm-hmm. His 1997 movie with John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. And the reason I make that comparison is I I feel like the character of Brian, the, the Joel Kinnaman character, and you're you're right, he's absolutely phenomenal in this movie. Uh, he very much reminds me of Sean Archer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a character who the loss of his son has just completely wrecked him yeah. in a way where it's his 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 driving principle is all about vengeance. It's all yeah. about vengeance of getting payback to the uh against Castor Troy. And in Brian, I think you definitely get that in this film. The difference is Sean Archer still has a wife, still has a daughter that can hold him back to where he's not completely isolated. Whereas Brian eventually loses his wife because she feels as more important for her to move on emotionally and to try grieve rationally than to just follow the single-minded sense of vengeance that he's he has. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. The, this guy 
this guy really kind of goes overboard a little yeah. bit in 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 wanting that vengeance. And and you used the V word, the vengeance word. So I'm just going to jump right on top with my first puzzle piece, which is the Batman, uh, the, the latest version of the Batman with Robert Pattinson, directed by Matt Reeves, where it's all about this guy who's just hell bent on vengeance. And uh basically turns our protagonist into kind of a monster that stalks all of the bad guys. And mm -hmm. uh, he is kind of just a crazy person. Um, and that was kind of what I think most people loved about the Batman. And yeah, maybe the action is a little spaced out here in Silent Night, but mm -hmm. you are getting the same kind of a protagonist, a guy who is just a nightmare for all of the villains and all of the uh, bad guy characters. And and the thing I and I mean that actually that's actually I'll admit that's one that I didn't even think about, but it does make perfect sense when it comes to that version of Batman. And mm -hmm. um one of the it does but it does get to something that I do really like about this movie is that, you know, one of the things that's interesting about Batman is that he doesn't have superpowers. His mm -hmm. his superpowers is having of this spectacular wealth to where he's basically able to finance all of this. Um, but the thing I like about Brian is that he's just a regular guy. He's not somebody who was a former military soldier who's got to get back in the game or a former, you know, uh, CIA agent or FBI person or somebody, you know, like Liam Neeson's character in Taken was. Sure. Uh, you know, he's just a regular guy who's just overwhelmed with profound grief about what happened to his son. And I love that he really has to work to get himself in physical shape to make this vengeance happen. Yeah, and sure. even when he does, as it starts he's still not completely going, this isn't going to be a cakewalk for him. And no. that's one of the things that I like about the Batman. And that's one of the things I like about the uh, Batman begins with a uh, bail uh, because of the fact that it's very much a, you know, that's the type of Bruce Wayne that is really interesting is the one who really has to work physically to, do what he's trying to do. And I, I, I do think Brian is of the uh, same ilk of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. There, there's one scene earlier in the movie that I was thinking about, like later on, once we find out that this guy, cause it, it kind of does the whole back and forth thing. Um, and we find out that this guy, like you said, he's not like a former CIA agent or anything. He's just some guy whose kid was killed and, you know, causes him on this, to go on this, uh, you know, revenge thing. But, um, there's a scene in the, the early in the movie when we don't know that yet. And we just see that he's, uh, you know, attacking the, these gang members who are having a shootout and he, he whacks a car with a, with like a, a, a I don't I don't even know what it was like a bat or something. He just, went, yeah. but just thinking back to that opening scene when we don't know that he's just some nobody like to think that just some random guy would even think to do that in that mm -hmm. moment. Like he's just scrambling for like just some form of like getting them back. And he just doesn't even know what he's doing. That's like an insane moment. And I like that about it. Yeah. And I mean, I will say that's one of the things I, and I think that's one of the things that is most interesting about this film is that 
he is, this is a character who's solely being driven by his emotions and by rage and by vengeance. And it's like, you know, when we first see him in that opening sequence, like we haven't seen what happens to where he's chasing, he's chasing these guys down. We haven't seen that yet. We know based on the trailers and stuff like that, we have an idea, but we haven't actually seen that moment yet. And that is one of the things I love about this movie is the way, um, is, is the way John Woo gives us as much information about life before this tragedy at moments where it feels more important, most important to the plot to find that out. And mm-hmm. I really love that structure in, uh, in this film. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it, it works really well here. So question was Batman begins one of your puzzle pieces or it was not, off? it was okay. not. Uh, the reason I brought it up was because of the fact that I think that's another example of uh, Bruce Wayne being treated as a regular sure. guy who has to, really work to be be a fighter and i it really does tie into it perfect perfect well what do you got next then so going with that elliptical structure of you know flashbacks flash forwards and stuff like that um we are going to go to a christopher nolan film though and uh go with memento and Mm -hmm. it's another one with vengeance as a fundamental idea and uh the vengeance obviously learned Leonard is uh trying for the death of his uh is over the death of his wife. But the reason I bring up mementos obviously that structure does feel like when now I mean obviously it doesn't continuously back go back and forth between flashbacks and flash forwards like Memento does. But especially at first 30, 45 minutes or so, the way Wu structures the film to give us the information that we need at a moment where it's important for us emotionally to get that information, I think really is something that could be tied into Memento and that type of structure that no one did in that film. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, it's a guy who's basically destroyed himself over over yeah. all of this grief and, and desire for revenge. So yeah, I think that's a great one to include. Definitely. Um, I will go with for my next one. So we were just talking about how this guy is not an ex soldier or CIA agent or anything like that. Uh, but I'm going to go the opposite end of the spectrum here and go with Rambo last blood, the most recent Rambo movie um, <laughs> as a puzzle piece Rambo in this one, he is living in peace at a, at a farm until this uh, young girl he knows is kidnapped by a Mexican cartel. And then Rambo pretty much wordless, although it's not a fully, uh, you know, wordless role, just goes and picks off everybody and just kills mm-hmm. the entire gang, uh, the, the entire cartel. Um, first of all, you've got that whole setup, which is fairly similar to what we're going with with Silent Night. But I know one of the big criticisms of Silent Night is the kind of right-wing nightmare of the whole situation. <laughs> just this kind of white knight coming in and just yeah. killing an entire gang of uh, of Mexican gang members. And um, yeah, it's there. Uh, <laughs> we can't really exactly get around that. But um, 
you know, it's it's a scary gang. What do you want? This is what action movies are built around. Well, well, right. I mean, I I think you know, it's like I I understand where people are coming from with that. I under I know I know when I was watching the movie, I hadn't read anybody else's review of it when I watched it uh, opening night, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, okay, I kind of <laughs> see where some of these complaints these complaints might be coming from. But at the same time, I mean, I don't, the, the thing I think that is important about this though, is that to your point, it's, it's not, you know, I don't think the race of the, this particular game means anything to this character. I don't think it's intentionally like, I, I don't think it's intentionally uh, blowing that dog whistle. Right. I, I think everything is just so politicized right now that we all kind of see that lens, oh, yeah. even if it's not there. Absolutely. You know? And I completely understand that. And I mean, I understand if it makes people uncomfortable because yeah, it, it, it should. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I don't necessarily think that's where Wu's thinking is. He's going back to like eighties action movies where eighties and nineties action movies where that that type of that type of thing was just normal right I mean, that right. was that was that was just normal business as usual and mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i but i mean it's interesting i actually haven't seen last blood but that that's actually really interesting uh even though i know it's not supposed to be a good movie i it almost makes me curious to finally check it out to see how i feel about that as a fan of ultra violence, the violence was great. Um, but oh, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise it's not very good, but, uh, yeah. What do you have for your next piece? So I, I'm actually, I mean, there are a few that I could go with here. I mean, I've got, I've got a number that I could go with here. Um, I'm, so I'm going to transition from Stallone in your, your choice to Stallone in a different choice. And that is Rocky Four. Now, before, okay. and really, you could apply this to the entire Rocky franchise, at least the original one. But the reason I picked four in particular is that this one, that one was where the training montage was basically the absolute, like, as much of a co star in that movie as Dolph Lundgren or Talia Shire <laughs> yeah. was. Um, yeah. The use of music, the use of silent actions as he's building his character up and you definitely see that in uh brian's character and the uh really quite phenomenal score by marco beltrami uh which i was listening to earlier today and i absolutely loved it um but yeah i mean that's that's kind of where my thinking was when it comes to uh uh rocky four yeah, that, that's a really great one, because this movie is basically like a one long training montage, like, you know, when whenever it's not the action in the beginning or the end, it's just him getting ready to, you know, kill people. And, and again, in a way, it's about vengeance, because yeah. that's what Rocky is after in that end fight. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, not not to go on like a total super tangent, but you were just talking about the score here. Um 
you know, this movie is such melodrama. And I was just thinking about the score in May, December, which everybody is talking about. Is that movie is it melodrama camp? Like where, where does that go? You know, but this movie is such melodrama. Basically that's, I even wrote yeah. in my letterbox review that instead of making a holiday action comedy, this is a holiday action melodrama. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's kind of where this score goes. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, if, especially, especially in his Hong Kong work, if you look at the Better Tomorrow movies, you look at The Killer, you look at Hard Boiled, melodrama is a huge part of what drives those movies. And especially, and that's part of why I think Face Off works so brilliantly is because of the fact that it is, is taking Wu's pension for melodrama and just ladling on this insane high-concept action movie above it. And you yeah. have to be dealing in melodrama to get that. And I mean, I think, you know, and we'll we'll get into it with another uh, puzzle piece I have later. Um, I think, especially with the silent aspect of this movie, melodrama is basically where you're going to be living in because of the fact that sure. you're not reliant on dialogue readings. You're not reliant line on exposition or dialogue in the traditional sense so if you're going to be playing with melodrama and if you're going to be using silence as a huge part of the way you tell your story melodrama is invariably going to be a big part of it absolutely completely agree um, I will go for my next piece. So friend of the show, Joe Black, told me that I should watch this movie uh, and, and use it as a puzzle piece here. And I'm gonna. It's a movie called Evelyn from Joe Lynch, uh, starring Selma Hayek. And I think there's plenty of uh, connections you can make here. You know, this person who is wronged and left for dead and then makes her revenge against the entire gang that, uh, you know, that took everything from her and uh, lots of violence and it all takes place on Christmas. You know, certainly there's uh, comparisons that could be made, even though she's not a silent protagonist. But the main reason I still wanted to include it, aside from the fact that I bothered to watch it just out of nowhere in my busy December, uh, is that if the biggest criticism people have of Silent Night is that there's not enough action, that it's too spaced out. Um, Joe Lynch gives us all the action we could possibly <laughs> want in this movie, Evelyn. And it's still about the same. It, it's about the exact same thing. I gave both movies three stars on Letterboxd. Uh, both fun movies, both flawed, uh, you know, both have some great action, but um, having more of it doesn't necessarily make it, uh, you know, the exactly everything that we wanted out of it. Okay. Have you ever seen Evelyn? Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. No? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And Salma Hayek's great. I mean, she's uh, just having having a blast just shooting lots of people and stabbing and all that stuff. So Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's worth watching. What do you got for your next one? Okay, so I'm going to go... I'm going to continue on with the ideas that I was putting out there last time. And I'm going to go with silent film drama. I'm going to go with dramas from the silent era. And the reason is obviously because of the no dialogue concept, although that's not exactly true. I mean, there's there there are ways that Wu gets around having not not having expositional dialogue in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. There are ways he gets around it, but very mu- but this film is so much based around 
looks about the char- the way the characters look, the way it really does put Wu in a position where his filmmaking is the most important character in the entire movie because if he's not able to tell this story without dialogue in a way that engages us, then it's going to fail. And Mm. I think he does that very well. And it does bring to mind the filmmakers of the Salon era. And part of the reason why Salon film drama doesn't really hold up quite as much as silent horror, silent comedy is because of the fact that it's that theatricality that the film, the actors had to do in order to convey the story. And, you know, I will say one of the things that I think is interesting about this movie is that with few exceptions, there's not a lot of theatricality to the performances in this movie. Um, I I think they're all relatively natural, which is which is not how another filmmaker would have gone. It's one of the re- it's another one of the reasons why I really respect the way John Woo approaches it. And um, yeah, I mean, so I I think I think you look at this film, you go back to you know I've talked about the eighties, I've talked about Woo's own legacy, you know I I think. But I think you, to a certain extent, with this concept of no dialogue, you do have to go back to the silent era and how people uh, told stories back then. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, big scores, uh, big performances. And I do think uh, Kinnaman is going pretty big here, um, even though it's maybe not as big as some of the stuff that you would have seen back in the day. But yeah. yeah, it's still still a pretty big performance. So but I mean, the, uh, yeah. I'm thinking in particular with the scenes with the scenes between him and his wife, like mm-hmm. in a, a lesser director would have made those so much more heightened and exaggerated in terms of directed them in a way that was so much more heightened and di- exaggerated than Wu does. And I think that's sure. one of the great strengths of this film is the fact that Wu pulls back on that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. there are absolutely moments where Kinnaman is just completely over the top in this movie, but it really fits to where his character is in the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. Um, we, we talked about Stallone earlier. I'm not going to do another Stallone movie, but I am going to do a movie uh, that is a reboot of a Stallone movie. I'm going with Dread, the 2012 uh, version of Judge Dread. Basically, once we get to the final, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes of this movie, where it's pretty much nonstop action from then out, our lead character Joel Kinnaman has to climb a whole lot of stairs and kill a whole (laughs) lot of people on his way up. Uh, Very much like in Dread, where it all takes place in one big uh, tower, and uh, there's a lot of stairs climbing and a lot of shooting around corners of winding stairs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So I definitely thought of Dread there. I haven't seen that one in a long time, so yeah, I but I I do remember liking it, and yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, of course, I was this isn't a puzzle official puzzle piece, but of course I was also thinking of uh the staircase scene in John Wick chapter four from earlier this year too. Sure. I mean, obviously sure. it's from the same producer. But no, I mean that that actually makes a lot of sense. And 
it I would also say for that scene in particular, there's some scene, some of the moments in the hospital when hard boiled, where mm-hmm. you have memories of the way Wu shot that. And yeah. I mean, that's really the moment that that sequence in particular is really the moment where John Wu's theatricality, his use of slow motion in action scenes is more pronounced than sure. it has been throughout pretty much any other part of the movie. No, absolutely. That's when that's when that's when he's given the fans what they were you know, there for, basically. So, yeah. Uh, what do you got next? So um, I'm going to go. This is one of the first things that I thought of when the movie, when I was watching the movie. And, you know, a lot of people would necessarily go with Death Wish, the Charlie Bronson film. But I am going to go more directly with James Wan's Death Sentence. Yeah. Uh, starring Kevin Bacon. And the reason that I'm going with Death Sentence is because I feel like these two films are very much of a piece in the way they show how meeting violence with violence is a path towards destruction for the main characters. Yeah. And I mean, apart from the fact that death sentence is a terrific movie um, and it's a really underrated film in James Wan's career. uh, But the fact that they're deep, because of the way they approach violence makes them bleaker and not as much fun action as I think audiences want. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why both of them have kind of been met with the fates that they have, which is a shame because death sentence and silent night are think I movies I think are both really terrific and part of and probably underrated uh, parts of the filmmakers' filmographies. Yeah, absolutely. I had it on my list as well. Uh, I, I agree with everything you just said there. Um, it, it's it's great, and it's, you know, just the violence against violence ends in destruction. Like that is kind of the main thing of both of these movies. So, uh, yeah, definitely agree there. Um, so I only have one more piece, uh, and it's kind of a little one. I probably shouldn't have ended on it, but, uh, you know, we are talking about a, uh, a movie where not much is said in Silent Night. Uh, there's been a bunch of them lately, you know, earlier this year, even we had uh, No One Will Save You. Um, but I'm going with A Quiet Place, uh, mm-hmm. specifically because if you remember, there was like a meme that went around a few years ago, uh, kind of making fun of, um, the the fact that they had like a a whiteboard in their bunker and they they circled on it uh what are their weaknesses mm-hmm. about the aliens <laughs> and here Joel Kinnaman has a a a calendar and he's written on the calendar get answers and circled it like three <laughs> times and so that just totally reminded me of that so that's just a, good a little one. observation and also both scored by Marco Botrami. There you go. Big scores. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, Quiet Place, actually, Quiet Place is a really good uh, puzzle piece, I think, because of the fact that it is dealing with, again, you're you're having to convey narrative, you're having to convey emotions through silence. And I mean, that is something that is always interesting to see filmmakers approach it. Now, I mean, Grand, A Quiet Place, you know, 
isn't entirely silent. It's not completely devoid of dialogue like Silent Night is. But no, I mean, I I, I think that's an interesting. Uh, I I think that's a good one. Um, so there are a few others that I did want to mention. I mean, we we've talked a little bit about John Wick. I mean, that's an easy one because it's Vengeance. And it's also produced from the same producer did John sure. Wick. Um, then you can look at other John Woo films like Bold in the Head and apparently Hero Shed No Tears. Another one of his Hong Kong films is something that people uh, thought about when it comes to this one. Um, we haven't talked about holiday-themed action movies. That's uh, true. I'm not yeah. going to mention Die Hard, but I am going to mention Lethal Weapon. And the yeah. reason I go with Lethal Weapon instead is because I think, especially with the character of Riggs, um, I I think he's driven by a lot of that same emotions that Brian Kinnaman has and mm. that sense of self destruction. And um, I I I think that's that's part of the reason why I think this is as much of a, more of a kinship with that movie than is than uh, Die Hard. But then yeah. I did also want to bring up one more thing, and it again, it's a little one as well. It is Alfred Molina at the end of Boogie Nights, and the reason I bring that up is the the main gangster who I think is nicknamed Playa, Playa if I remember yep. correctly. He has he's basically just he's just walking around his joint with a Santa jacket on, and it it's is crazy psychotic chaotic a performance as i think alfred molina is in boogie nights yeah and he's so great. that i i have to think that something like that was bouncing around in john woo's head when he came up with that he also reminded me a little of tuco in uh breaking bad um <laughs> you know just super animated like that but uh yeah that, that's a great poll right there i love that and yeah that, that character is great also shout out to his girlfriend who just is out of control. Like, oh, good just, God. Like, I mean, that's insane. when you know that, you know, that that's, you know, and, and that part of the movie is when John Woo is trying to let off the bleakness and a bit and just go bug nuts with, yes. with the film in general, with the action in general. And that's, and there, yeah, that there are moments like that. They're just uh, really crazy. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny with some of our last puzzle pieces, uh, I'll read down our list here in a second, but some of our last ones, uh, you know, I brought up a quiet place. Then you went to John Wick as, you know, obviously it's the same producers, but, and then a couple of uh, John Woo movies and then a couple of holiday theme movies. I think like the pitch are those pieces right there. It's like, we got the silentness <laughs> of a quiet place. We've got John Wick action. We got John Woo action and we got, it's a holiday movie. So it's like, yeah. I think we nailed it right there. But all of our puzzle pieces we just talked about, we included Face Off, The Batman, and Batman Begins, Memento, Rambo Last Blood, Rocky IV, Evelyn, Silent Films, Dread, Death Sentence, A Quiet Place, John Wick, Bullet in the Head, and Hero Shed No Tears, Lethal Weapon, and Throw Die Hard in there, and Boogie Nights, and Throw Breaking Bad in there as well. Whole bunch of stuff all over the place. One other thing I was thinking about, and maybe this even happens in some of these 
movies we've already talked about, but I was trying to think about that Kid Cudi detective character who I really like that he's also silent, although they don't even really feel the need to bring attention to that. He just simply doesn't have dialogue. Yeah. Um, but there, there's that whole, it's almost a trope really of like the detective and the vigilante who both want the same thing, but they're technically on other sides of the law and they yeah. kind of knowingly help each other out, even though they're against each other. So that's a whole other thing. You could probably throw a couple more pieces in for that, but Oh, no doubt. Any other, uh, any other closing thoughts, anything we didn't quite get to while doing puzzle pieces? See, I don't think so. Um, I, I do agree with you about Kid Cody. And I, I think his, his, and I did kind of feel like his character is the one because of the no dialogue aspect. I think his is the one that gets the shortest end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Like everybody else basically works fairly well within the no dialogue. But I think because of the fact that he's, you you see that there's obviously an investment in what Brian is doing. It would have been probably nice to see his character fleshed out a little bit more, mm-hmm. I think, before that ending and before the climax really starts to hit to really cement a bond. If But at the same time, I'm not sure that necessarily John Woo's going for that because you know, one of the reasons he gets in the game and the way he does at the end is the care package that Brian leaves him, which basically gives off the impression that Brian is like, look, I'm doing your job because you're mm-hmm. not doing your job. And I mean, I so I, I think to have, I, I actually kind of like the fact that they're not necessarily buddies in the same way that some of Wu's other protagonists get to be buddies. But you do kind of see that Cootie's character is uh I I think he's you definitely see that he's empathetic towards uh what Brian is going through though. Yeah, no, absolutely. He he feels for him and he wants to he wants to help out, but he's also, you know, doesn't want to help someone who's just murdering people in, in cold blood vengeance. So, uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough spot to be in, I think. But yeah. uh, I, th- I think that does it for Silent Night. Brian, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? So I'm going to I'm actually going to go a little bit further. I'm not going to do a recent one because I'll, mm-hmm. I'll admit I've been a bit slow as far as getting to some recent ones. But I'm actually going to do a uh, an older one that I think was worth watching, especially if you're a fan of John Woo. And I think, you know, I didn't mention it as a puzzle piece because it doesn't really work for this particular film. But I know it's a film that John Woo really loves. He actually presented a re-release of it in the states two decades ago was uh Jean-Pierre Melville's uh Le Circle Rouge, a uh, mm-hmm. 1970 crime heist thriller. And I know Wu is a big fan of Melville's work and has really been influenced. And uh I I actually did watch Le Circle Rouge recently, it actually shortly before seeing Silent Night. I really quite loved it. And it's basically, it's a heist movie as well as it, you, it's, if you're a fan of heat, if you're a fan of some of the like dual hero protect hero villain character pieces, Mm -hmm. 
and even something like The Killer, something like Face Off, you kind of see the same influence. Um, mm-hmm. I would check it out, and there is a an extended heist sequence in this where no in that movie where no dialogue is 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 said that I think you can kind of see Wu gain the idea of oh well this can work and right so I mean I don't think it's available on streaming anywhere other than just to rent or buy but it's well worth renting or buying right on right on yeah it sounds great I'm gonna have to check that one out um great recommendation Brian where can people find you and your podcast uh com is the uh, main place you can find me. You can also find the podcast there. The podcast has been a bit slow uh, the past couple months as I've been working towards settling into my new job. But I've got some great episodes coming up. I'm really looking forward to getting to those. You know, you can find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Good Pods, and uh, and you can find my music on Bandcamp as well. I actually just released an album of horror-inspired pieces uh, this past October. You can listen to that there and check out my uh, music. But yeah, the main the main website is www.sonic-cinema.com. Perfect. Well, Brian, I'm glad we were able to do this one, and hopefully we'll get you back again sometime next year. Thank you very much. Do you love rom-coms? Do you wish you could talk about Christmas movies year-round? Then we have the perfect podcast for you, Hallmarkies Podcast. Throughout the year, we cover all things romance, holiday, and Hallmark, including recaps of every Hallmark show, like When Calls the Heart and The Way Home. You can also get loads of bonus content covering shows like Bridgerton, Sweet Magnolias, and, and just like that. We are an all-female group of friends who are passionate for these shows and movies and give our honest opinions as well as gush over what we love so much. But that's not all. Every Monday, there are interviews with all your favorite actors, writers, directors, and more. Check out Hallmarkies Podcasts on all your podcast providers and on YouTube. That's Hallmarkies Podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Silent Night. Thank you to Brian Scuttle for joining me on that one, and thank you to you for listening. I hope you're enjoying piecing it together. I've been doing a lot of episodes lately. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot of work, and the end of the year always gets to be really packed in with movies to watch, notes to take, and then podcasts to make. So if you're out there listening, I do thank you, and make sure you're subscribed because there's lots more on the way. Also, if you're enjoying the show, you can maybe give me a little Christmas gift by dropping me a little five-star rating and review on Good Pods or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, wherever it is that you're listening. I would appreciate that a lot. You could also join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And you could also follow us on social media, at PiecingPod, on all the socials. We do have a Patreon the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content for Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there. You can check that out at patreon.com slash Rosen. And of course, I'm just happy to have you all out there listening. But if you want to support the show in that way, it is very much appreciated. And with that said, let's close this out with a piece of music. And I don't think I have a Christmas song specifically. 
but screw it. Let's play a Hanukkah song. This is from my now defunct Jewish comedy rap group, Bakakta. I've probably played this on the show before. It's a song called The Hanukkah Song, a.k.a. Spin the Dreidel. So I hope you enjoy it. It's totally ridiculous. Uh, I'll play some of my real music on the next episode, I'm sure. But uh, hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon. This is a Hanukkah song, won't be too long. Gonna party for eight days. days. Arteries so clogged, cause we drink eggnog with our latkes and we say... It's a Hanukkah, it's a Hanukkah, it's a Hanukkah song. It's a Hanukkah, it's a Hanukkah, it's a Hanukkah song. Oh Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, come light the menorah. Let's have a party, we'll all dance a horror. Gather around the table, we'll give you a treat. You got my balls to play with, I got you to eat. And while we are playing, the candles are burning low. It's a Hanukkah. One for each night they shed us, we'd like to remind us of days long ago. It's a Hanukkah. One for each night they shed us, we'd like to remind us of days long ago. Judah Maccabee is the man for me, made the light burn for eight days. Gonna get some guilt, gonna make me melt, spin the dreidel all the way. It's a Hanukkah. It's a Hanukkah, it's a Hanukkah song It's a Hanukkah, it's a Hanukkah, it's a Hanukkah song my little Shana Needle Hop into my world, I'll fill the hole in your bagel Spin the dreidel And if I get gimmel You're gonna give me a piece, a lot more than a little Fiddle with my fiddle and I'll be a fiddler After I diddle ya, I'm gonna get rid of ya I love you Jewish Davis, what you'll always be saying Cause I got down low and I found an African in West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.